0: Welcome back to the Humans of Education podcast. This week on the show, we've got Dr. Haley Watson. Dr. Watson is doing amazing work in the world of student mental health, wellness, and bullying. I know you guys are gonna love this episode. We talk about her travel, the power of listening, vulnerability, childhood trauma, and motorcycles and sailing. And so much more. This was such a beautiful conversation to be a part of. I hope you guys enjoy it. Please leave us a five star review wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with someone you think would benefit. All right, guys, enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the show. This week we have an amazing guest that I think all of you are going to connect with and take away so much from. Welcome to the show, Dr. Haley Watson.
1: Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: Awesome. Like I said before, we hopped on to record. I've been a follower here for a couple years. I love the work that you're doing. I'm passionate about it. I think we share a lot of common interests, so it's great to connect. I gave the audience and the listeners kind of a a brief background of yourself, so I, I wanna get right into it. Can you give us a rundown of yourself and the work that you're doing with Open Parachute?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm a clinical psychologist, so I've been working with young people for about 15 years now. Um, I've done it in a few different places in the world, which is partly just my nature. I love to travel and I love to move around, so I've developed programs in Canada, the US, the UK, and Australia. So that's a little bit of the context in terms of why our organization is already global. Partly that was just my own personal passion in working with youth. And what I found in working with young people right from the beginning is that most young people don't want to see a psychologist. They don't want they don't want things to be boring and prescribed. They don't want some adult telling them what to do. They they live in an adolescent world. They want to be talking about and thinking about things that are relevant to them. And so when we're thinking about interventions and support we can't come at it as adults and say, well, this is best practices and this is what you should do and, and sort of dictate what they should do. We have to make it interesting and engaging and relatable. So that's been sort of my learning over the past 15 years and working with young people. And so what we do with Open Parachute is we provide school mental health programs to schools that are all online and video based and they're based around documentary stories of real young people sharing their own experiences so that they're engaging and interesting. And then through those videos, It allows the teacher to not have to become a mental health expert. They don't have to go away and get trained and then deliver content, which is a little bit challenging and tricky for teachers. It puts them in an awkward position. They get to facilitate this learning. So young people are really learning from their peers about how to overcome things like bullying, things like trauma, things like anxiety, depression, friendship challenges, cultural inequalities. And we're really empowering young people in their voice, in a language they want. And so we've been. filming kids all over the world. And we have programs now in five countries. We're supporting um, over 50,000 students and oh, and amazing. growing. So it's very exciting.
0: Yeah. Congratulations on that reach. It's such a, a powerful tool. And the, the method at which you do it is so cool to see, because I think you know, we can all relate growing up. And it was kind of a one-way street as far as like, they're trying to connect to us in one way. And it's oftentimes it wasn't the way we wanted to be connected to. And, you know, having peers and people who look like me as a student share their stories so I can connect. I just think it's such a beautiful method. So, you know, I commend you on the work that you're doing and the impact you're already having. Thank you. As a human, what led you to this work? I know you've got um, a, an amazing backstory of growth and challenge. Kind of, Did you always want to be in this work? You know, what, what's, what's the story behind?
1: Yeah, great question. So I think like any great passion, anything, anytime we're doing something that feels like a purpose, it usually comes from some sort of pain. <laughs> you know, it usually comes from something that hurt, therefore we focused on it. So for me, the original passion was was when i was very young was the question of why do people hurt each other why do people do things that are that are hurting for each other and that comes from a direct experience that i had when i was very young Um, my house was bombed five times over the period of a year and a half so i had this bizarre experience and i grew up in small town canada so this was not in a war-torn country this was Uh, you know a targeted attack that we still don't know why it happened but it was it was basically my my early life environment when i was between the ages of one and a half and and about three my literally my car was blowing up then my side of my house was blowing up and and most importantly my parents were terrified so i grew up in this in this reality where really scary stuff was happening that was totally out of my control and I had no way of conceptualizing why this would happen so for me you know my trauma response was to be very fearful and then also to cover up that fear to sort of adopt this personality of toughness pretending I can handle things that I couldn't because I'm this little girl I'm so defenseless so all of that shaped how I viewed the world, and so my driving question was always why. You know, why are people why are people hurting each other? I don't understand this. Um, and then my parents became Buddhist also as a you know a direct result of their questioning and curiosity, and so that then fed into you know I'm learning all these things about people being good, and then why are they doing bad things then? Right. <laughs> you know, so 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 my first driver. Was was I actually wanted to be a forensic psychologist? So my first degree was in criminology. I wanted to literally catch bad guys and put them in jail. You know, because that was my my juvenile response to that. And then very quickly, I went to this really great um, criminology program, one of the best criminology program in Canada at Simon Fraser University. And I learned very quickly in that degree there are no bad people, there are hurt people, and those hurt people are then doing bad things. So that was where the penny dropped. And I said, oh, okay, I don't wanna put people in jail. Right. I wanna help young people make good decisions, overcome their hurt, overcome their pain. And that, as soon as I sort of figured that out, I started mentoring a young girl who was about 15 um, and was in the criminal justice system in Vancouver in Canada. and. And it was just the most amazing experience to be with this girl hearing her story of incredible trauma and the horrors that she went through and just no one looking out for her. And, and of course she's making these decisions to commit crime. So that really transformed everything. And from then on, it was just so clear to me. You know, I, I have to work with teenagers and I have to support them to, to figure out how to be the person that they want to be.
0: Uh, it's such a powerful story, and I listened to your TEDx talk and heard wow. a lot of that story, and I, I, I was hoping that you would open up to it and, <laughs> and share it. It's just such such a powerful journey from where you were as a young child and what that led you down for yeah. your own life and then how you yeah. take your personal experience and turn it into something good. And I love hearing the, the switch flip with regards to I don't want to put these bad people away I want to actually be part of the proactive solution and Mm -hmm. help people who are hurt recover Mm -hmm. and then not turn around and do the same to others and I think that's something that's missing on such a large scale Mm -hmm. what have what have I mean what practices have you seen that you know, maybe a listener as a principal or a school counselor Mm -hmm. or something, what's something simple? And I think oftentimes, and we all have this like natural tendency to be like, Oh, they're doing bad things. That's a bad student, or that's a bad person. How can I start that mental and emotional change to Mm -hmm. see it, see it different?
1: Great question. So I would say the first and most important thing to do is to listen. So anytime someone is acting irrationally, you know, cruelly, whatever, anytime they're doing anything that's, that's not pro-social, kind, empathetic, we always want to immediately assume there's hurt there because there is. There's always a reason. Nobody just acts that way for no reason. So we want to stop and we want to listen. And, and sometimes and we want to just ask that question, hey, what's happening for you? It's because what happens is that it's like there's two levels of conversation going on all the time. There's the surface level, like the trigger, which is, you know, someone talking back, someone being mean, you know, whatever it is. Then there's the true conversation, which is I'm feeling really neglected or left out and I don't know how to handle that. So so I'm dumping it on someone. And the whole goal is we want to bring come from that top top. Surface level conversation into the real conversation, the real truth. Yeah. What is going on here? And we only get there by listening, by having empathy. And so it's like we really want to separate behavior from the person. You know, it's you can still have consequences, you can still have, you know, all sorts of things. That's fine. But the most important thing for behavior change is not gonna be the consequence, it's gonna be did you sit down with that kid and and listen and have a connection and 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 be with them and say, hey, I get that, I, I get the feeling of anger, you know, it's not okay to do that, but I can relate to that, I can relate to that. That feeling of despair or frustration. What are we going to do about it? Then you're on their side, and then you can help them make different choices.
0: Yeah, that's that was that's a great answer. And immediately in my mind, it's not even close to the same level of the work that you're doing. Is I do nutrition coaching and men's coaching through. The gym that I used to own now through other programs and the listening piece is so funny because even as adult men who I was coaching, it's almost like they've never been listened to because I yes. would ask, I would ask one question and if I was just willing to sit, yeah, they would talk and talk and talk and it went from, I would like nutrition help to, um, you know, I'm unhappy, I'm sad, I'm depressed, and it would just be this snowball of emotion. And I think men often hold it even tighter, you know, based on societal pressure and all these things. But it's such a good just life practice to be a listener. Like it, it's
1: absolutely, absolutely. And I love that you bring in men too, because it really is as a culture, we teach boys that the only emotion they're allowed to have is anger. Right. So, of course, that's what's going to come out, you know, so a lot of boys especially get typecast as a bad kid because they're hurting or they're ashamed or they're jealous or they're, they're sad and, and they're angry, yeah. but the only thing they can exp- express is the anger and then right. they get in trouble for that. And then they start internalizing, well, I'm a bad kid or nobody understands me. And then it just, you know, snowballs. So that, that just that listening, that connecting and, and making it safe for them you know, to express those other things.
0: Yeah, making that safe place leads me right to the next thing I wanted to talk to you. When I was going through your social and everything you've done recently, I came across a podcast where you facilitated a conversation between two men that had an experience in seventh grade that continued to impact them for years and years and years. And it was Jeremy and Hassan. Can you (laughs) tell me a little bit about that experience from your point of view and kind of what your takeaways were from
1: that absolutely i'm so glad you brought that up that was such a beautiful experience so so that was so that conversation i had jeremy was the one i actually was on jeremy's podcast which is how i first met jeremy so he has a um, social ninjas podcast that they talk about all sorts of different things I connected with him and he shared this experience of how he had been bullied and how it was still relevant for him. And he suggested this. He said, I would like to you know, have a healing with him, have a conversation with him, but I don't really know how and, and could you facilitate it? And so I said absolutely. So I then had a conversation with Hassan, and you know just learned about him, and and then you know just from those two conversations brought them both together. Um, they were both very willing, and then had this dialogue, um, which was was really a lot of Jeremy expressing Jeremy the one was the one that was bullied expressing to Hassan the the hurt that he had felt and hassan really sort of had no idea in some ways because he was in the middle of all sorts of other stuff that the the way he was hurting other people was was not part of what he was thinking about at the time he was thinking about his own struggles and all sorts of things and hassan eventually ended up in jail um and it was that was sort of when they reconnected so from my perspective you know what i really loved about that was just how how powerful it is to be vulnerable, how powerful it is, you know, we, all of us, when something happens, we hold it and it stays in us and it, it forms the way we see ourselves, form, it forms the way we see the world. And as soon as we can touch into that, that actual feeling of hurt and express it and release it, it you know, everything can change you know our relationships can change our relationship to ourselves can change and and so those kind of conversations are so beautiful because you see and you 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 witness you know almost like the the transformation happening in front of you of oh okay you know i can let this go now i can put this down or wow you know i can i can say something to this person and make amends you know that that's a very powerful thing to be able to do
0: yeah i was listening to it and On so many levels, it hit me. I I had an experience as a ninth grader in high school, very Mm -hmm. similar, but it was a a much older student and just like physically bullied me to the point that, you know, I still, I, I have this vivid memory of it and I've probably thought about it and it's led me to like, you know i became a marine and i want to be physically yes. fit and i want to be this person and i want to be that person like that one instance of being mm-hmm. physically taken advantage of based on small size mm-hmm. led me to do things for years and years and years so i never felt that way again and like listening to those conversations i'm like man what if i had this conversation with jacob i won't say his last name not that he's <laughs> listening but um it would be just a crazy experience and i think everyone should listen to that specifically teachers mm-hmm. that might be able to facilitate that conversation at the moment of crisis yes so that it's not when you're 37 like me or i think they were 32 or 33
1: yeah the yeah podcast. they're around that age um mm-hmm.
0: so yes. i just wanted to bring that up i think it's it was such a powerful conversation and like a beautiful thing mm-hmm. for you to be there and facilitate a super cool yeah absolutely So participating in conversations like that, and then the documentary film work you're doing and creating these programs, what what have been your biggest learning points for yourself when having conversations to facilitate learning with these students?
1: Yeah, great question. So the way I see my role, you know, as a as a psychologist, as well as a program developer, you know, there's a lot of theory in psychology. You know, I went to university for 11 years. You know, you learn a lot of right. book stuff. But none of that means anything when you're sitting in a room with someone and you're you're trying to figure out how to help them or trying to figure out how to help, you know, how to, how to ask the questions that can help other people. And so always from the beginning, it's only been my own therapy, my own reflection, my own personal journey that, that leads to the work that I do. So, so what I find when I'm in these, whenever I'm in conversations, whether it's with clients or you know, developing these programs, is that I'm always learning about myself as well as I'm learning about them. So, so the, and the thing that I find the most amazing is how open these kids are at such a young age. I feel like this generation just blows me away so what i always find is there's often a parallel if i'm learning something about myself i'll find myself sitting in a room with someone and they're sharing something and it's very similar you know and so there's this, this synchronicity of ah oh, yeah well, as soon as i know something about myself then i can start asking the questions about it so it's this really iterative process of of you know really hearing this wisdom from young people and then really reflecting myself and going well even if I hadn't experienced that exact thing, how do I relate to that feeling? What is that in me? And really using that as, as a tool to go deeper into myself, which then gives me the insight of, okay, how then can we use that to help young people? Because really, when we, again, when we come at it from the theoretical, from the book place, we don't get to the heart of change. It's only when it's personal. So I really strongly believe that if I'm there as the expert, you know, knowing all the answers, that's not gonna help anyone. If I'm there saying, wow, yeah, I totally get that, and really figuring out, well, how do I, how am I insecure? How do I hurt other people? How do I hurt myself? How am I disempowered? That's sort of what I learn from all of those is this continual journey of just getting to know myself better. And the more I know myself, the more uh, more I can build programs that really help because I I can then go, okay, so if I'm feeling this, that's the same. That's what a child is feeling too. But not not only that, they don't have all of the years of experience that I have. So wow, it ne- you know, that's a really raw place to feel that what do I need? What are the insights I can take from now to interject that I wish I would have known back then? That's kind of how my process is.
0: Yeah, I love that. And being able to use your discovery with the young person into your own personal life is is super cool. Do you have, and and you may not be able to pull one off the top of your head, but do you have an experience where you're sitting with a student and they're basically like mirroring something that you felt or you feel and maybe hadn't been able to verbalize and then you turned around and did that work on yourself? Do you have a story like that?
1: Absolutely, so it's such a good question. I love that you're exploring this. So the first one that comes to mind is this incredible teenager in Australia? Her name is Anfi, and she had been bullied um, when, about her look. She she's black, dark skinned, and there's there were not many people that are dark skinned in her community, and so she was bullied about the way she looks. And she didn't really see anyone around her that that you know looked the way she did. So we were talking, and I was asking her questions about how she sees herself, and I asked her this question. I believe I asked her do you see yourself as beautiful now and it was the most powerful I'm getting shivers even remembering it she she paused and she sort of she teared up and and she started saying you know I've never thought about it but I I don't I don't think I see myself as beautiful and you know she started crying and it was this really emotional moment of her realizing you know, that this isn't a past issue, that this is, that, that she, doesn't, she doesn't see herself as beautiful. And from there, of course, all of the growth and all of the, the you know, as soon as she was able to say that, whew, it was amazing. She was able right. to then process and go, well, hang on a minute. Why do I think that? Da, 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 da. And so for me, that was really powerful because that, that really hit me. And I, I really then asked myself the question, well, do I, do I see myself as beautiful? And I think I have the absolutely same insecurities. I wasn't bullied about the way I look when I was young, but I was probably you know, I was exposed to the same things in society that every other young girl was exposed to and, and boy. And and to really deeply ask yourself the question, do I do I feel beautiful? That was something I hadn't really asked. And and that really was impactful for me to go wow okay so what does that mean then and then lead down a, a journey of well why what what do i see my body as you know am i seeing it from a from a certain angle of what i think other people want me to look like you know just that whole journey of discovery but just that that just that question of do i actually feel that way about myself you know which we don't ask ourselves so that was a, one example which i feel like there's so many of those you know every yeah. time we're in these i in these conversations they just the insights i have is just so remarkable.
0: Yeah, i think being open and your ability to be open to learning and to being like even yourself as the expert in that situation, being vulnerable enough to have that, you know, introspection to Ooh. continue to grow is is a beautiful thing again that we can all take away and learn from. You know, i can mm-hmm. hear in the the way you talk about your work that it lights you up and i know yeah. that, you know, your you know, message to the world that what you put out there is to find what lights you up. Share with us outside of work as the human that you are. Um, And I know work work can be your life and your passion and all those things, but outside of the work that you're doing, what, what really lights you up?
1: Yeah, great question. And you know, it's funny since I started with Open Parachute, it has been so all-encompassing that that it is a good question to keep asking myself: yeah. How can I make sure I'm I'm also nourished? Um, so. The things that light me up, so I, I've, I've um, owned motorcycles since I was 22. So that was I, my I first, I got my first bike. No, 21, I think, when I got my first motorcycle. I love riding motorcycles. I don't know what it is about it, you know, the, the, the sense of freedom, the wind in my hair. Um, and I had a bike in Australia for a long time. I would commute on it, and I just loved it. So that that lights me up. Adventure and travel light me up. So this is partly why I started running this program in multiple countries was purely because I wanted to go go to all those countries. Hey, I don't
0: I'm not doing it for fun. I have to be there. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Exactly. So I love going to new places. I mean, I've lived in lots of different places, and I love, you know, travel. I love sailing. Um, so I started. I crewed on sailboats when I was about 20 in the South Pacific. Sort of crewed between islands and countries. And again, that uh, there's something about wind. I've, I'm realizing this. You know, the, something about the wind and the adventure and just being on a, you know, on the ocean. That that really lights me up. And then you know self discovery really lights me up it really does you know my my therapy sessions my sessions with my teacher where i'm learning about the human psyche about people about myself about consciousness that just excites me so so i really i really like you know deep conversations like this kind of conversation where it's like what's really going on what's under yeah. the surface that excites me
0: yeah, I see a lot of similarities in yourself and, and myself, you know, doing the extreme things. I've had four motorcycles, I think, I bought my first <laughs> yes. one with a Marine Corps scholarship, don't tell them, uh, in college, ended up wrecking it on my 20th birthday. Then I bought Harleys and then I love travel. You know, I, it, a lot of similarities. Do you have a story, and you talk about self-discovery and learning. Mm-hmm. I find that through these some people would call extreme I mean I'm Mm -hmm. traveling in the the US right now in a camper van um, for six (laughs) months so like people would think extreme but I think that's when you actually learn the most about yourself Mm -hmm. so I would love to hear a story from you know sailing or motorcycle riding or Mm -hmm. some other experience that showed you something about yourself that maybe you never would have
1: thought Beautiful. It's such a good question. Let me think about that. So, I mean, I agree with you that I think we always learn. We learn when we are shaken up. So whether that's something that we do to ourselves or something that the world does to us, you know, that, right. that experience of things being hard or intense. We don't like that generally, you know, other than people like you and I, and a lot of <laughs> us often that comes from trauma, to be honest. It's like comes from, like you said, I thought that was so well put. You felt, you know, you felt overpowered and you didn't want to feel that again. So it drives us to adventure seek and thrill seek. And, but deep down it, it is uncomfortable when we're in those experiences, but when we can move towards them, that's when the insight happens. So I'm just trying to think of an, an example of. Or just I, I, a fun
0: story from sailing in the South Pacific. I mean, that's. Yeah.
1: To you know, the first thing that came to mind is I used to, I used to hitchhike a lot. Which I know is, you know, never try this at home. <laughs> <laughs> Not something you should do. I'll uh, disclosures
0: on the bottom of this Exactly, side
1: disclosures. Back when I didn't, Care for myself to be perfectly honest when I was still in that phase where I didn't know who I was or you know Know how to protect myself. I was so disconnected from myself. I would put myself in really dangerous situations, and I had this one Experience actually now. Yeah, it's very clear to me now. I was hitchhiking and I got into a a truck with a with a trucker and he was saying some things that were pretty dark and scary and making some jokes and it was it, it was clear to me that I was in a danger. Right. And in that moment, it was so interesting, in that moment I didn't mean to do this necessarily but I started talking to him. And I remember even, I had you know a small little switch knife on me which I literally had in my sleeve the whole time. I was that scared, I was that scared that I was like, if I have to protect myself, I will. But I just started asking him about his life and, you know, he told me this whole story about how, you know, he has a wife but she's, you know, they're pretty estranged because he's away a lot and I, I can't remember if he had a kid or not, but basically he was very lonely and what he wanted was to connect. But he probably didn't know how to connect in any other way than to maybe be forceful or to, or whether or not he was serious about those jokes. Regardless, right. it's not okay, you know, whether right. he's making jokes or he's actually serious about, you know, you know, doing doing things hurting someone. But at the end of that trip, you know, I had so much fear. But then I also, uh, you know, we really got to this place of connection, and we we left as as. Friends, You know, we left, I think we might have even hugged at the end, you know, we had this, this real connection and in that moment of of fear of discomfort of like questioning what the heck am I doing? Why am I here? What's wrong with me? You know, all those doubts and insecurities that come up. I really learned something about myself and about the world, you know, which probably was very formative. I hadn't ever put that together. Now, this is why I love these conversations, you know, that, that that was probably one of the ways that also formed my belief about how to transform situations. So I think what I learned there is, is nothing is the way it seems. Nothing has to be the way it seems. Nothing is one thing or the other. And that's a, I feel like a really powerful thing that I've kept with me and I keep questioning because always in my life, I always judge things. I always, you know, oh, this is too hard, I don't wanna do it. Or, oh, you know, I'm I'm exhausted today. Or, oh, you know, <laughs> I only want things to go my way. Right. And so always to come back to that, well, does it really have to be this way? Is it really this so bad? Is it really that? And so it's just that that when you have these, like when you get to the pointy end, when things are pressured, when when things are intense, That's what I feel like a realization I come to a lot. Oh, right. Then you come out the other side and you go, that didn't have to go that way. You know, it could go, it went a different way.
0: Right. Yeah. I immediately, when you started talking about how you handled the situation was like, oh, she's the, the ever psychologist. Like she immediately turned to (laughs) being his psychologist. And then knowing that he just wanted connection, but as a male, and I think a lot of men struggle with this is they don't know how to connect in a adult like manner in a normal relationship with a woman. Um, And we see that in society all the time. And wow, that is, that is such a powerful story. What, what country was that in?
1: That was actually in Canada. Okay. That was in Canada. And that was when I was sort of like, I don't know, 18, 19, something like that.
0: Right. And then yeah. you, you were able to provide a different outlet that didn't need to be aggressive and yeah. you know, whatever else. And yeah. lo and behold, he was uh, like fine, just dealing with his own things. Interesting. Yeah. Um, keeping with the adventure, I know you just got a different sailing qualification and yes. it was a little bit of a rough experience. <laughs> yes. Um, can you share a little bit about that, and if you had any, you know, takeaways from that experience?
1: For sure, absolutely. So I quali- i did my qualification to be a bareboat charter master, which means I can now um, charter boats multi-day, which is very exciting. So I've done a lot of sailing, but I was never the one in charge of the boat. So that's right. a that's a big step the, up. And the it's burden interesting, of actually. being in
0: charge. <laughs>
1: yes, and even starting the training, one insight I had about myself, which was really fascinating, is. I have no fear when I'm on a boat that's heeled over rough winds when I'm not the one in charge, no fear. So I obviously do something psychologically that says, you know, someone else is gonna handle this. As soon as I'm at the helm, I flip out. So I really, so over the course of that training, felt so terrified to the point of like paralysis, like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know what to do. And just like complete panic, lose my mind. So. There, this is something I've learned about myself is like I like to defer responsibility. and when I'm the one in charge, I don't trust myself. So there's this deep feeling of not trusting myself. But so that training also, I got incredibly seasick. So there's it's like three three days, is right? Three days at sea, first day super rolly. I'm literally throwing up over the side seven times over a six hour period. And I'm like, literally like when you're seasick, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced being seasick. Maybe you haven't. I have. (laughs) You have, good. So you you can't move, like you're out of commission and we're being assessed here. So so I'm like, I'm supposed to be proving that I'm competent as a sailor and I'm literally hanging over the edge or like, you know, (laughs) lying there with a thing over my
0: face. Where is our leader? Oh, she's- funny. Exactly,
1: exactly. So so that, and of course, whenever whenever I'm feeling sick or, you know, I started feeling scared and I started doubt, again, doubting myself. Self-doubt is a huge thing that comes up for me all the time in those situations. That's like where my mind first goes. Why am I doing this? I don't know what I'm doing. Well, and then like, you know, you have to do a limit of navigation, which I felt not that good about. And and I couldn't do it because I was sick. So, so then, you know, ha- coming out of that, finally taking the seasick medication because I just was too stubborn to take it in the first place, (laughs) taking the medication, getting back on board. Again, just noticing that I really often have a chip on my shoulder about like proving myself. Like I don't trust that I can do things. And then I was on the back foot because I'd been sick for the first day. So just, you know, and a lot of the times the instructor would be like, well, why are you second guessing yourself? And I'm like, I don't know I just do <laughs> I don't know there's no reason like,
0: <laughs> that's who I am we're not going to unpack that this this sailing trip I sailing
1: <laughs> so he's like yeah that's the right answer but why are you asking it as a question you know so so that was something that, I, you know again always this is why I love self-exploration there's always more to learn so I think that's a big thing that I took from that is like you know keep leaning into that feeling of of you know, maybe I do know what I'm doing sometimes. You know, maybe, maybe I can trust myself a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, i tearing up over here, I'm laughing. Uh, that's such a good story. I loved seeing it on your social page because all the times, obviously we can just put the pretty things on social, but being able to say like, oh, I was miserable, I was throwing up, like here, yeah. here's what went down. Um, but I'm into go sailing, so if you're ready,
1: Amazing. I'll I'll take that risk and
0: I'll put all the responsibility on you. Nice. uh,
1: Oh God, that's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, So I want to get to, we could probably talk for hours, but I want to get to the final three questions that I ask everyone. Um, Just some quick hitters. So the first one is what is one class that is not currently offered in schools that every student should have?
1: Well, My answer would definitely be a mental health skills class so learning not just learning about mental health learning the practical skills like a therapeutic class which is what our program is based on so learning you know i'm in this situation someone's bullying me how do i identify what i'm feeling what do i say how do i work through that how do i communicate those you know i'm feeling insecure about my body or someone's talking to me way i don't like like actual actually the skills of of essentially taking what we normally do in a therapy class or sort of a therapy class, listen to me, that's so funny. I've I've (laughs) transferred so much in my head, I see it as a class now. (laughs) Taking what we usually see as a private therapy session and bringing it out and saying, no, 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 everybody needs these skills of self-awareness, self-exploration.
0: Yeah, love that. The second one is a little bit different for you. You've already given a TED talk and it is going to be linked in the show notes. The the typical question is if you're going to give a TED talk this weekend, what would the subject be? But since you've already done one and uh, it's an amazing TED talk, obviously your personal story and everything built into it. Is there anything, if you could go back, that you would change about the TED talk?
1: Mm, Great question. Well, I feel like, you know, that was my story at that point. So I don't think I would change it, but maybe if I had another chance, mm-hmm. I would, to say what else I would say in a TED talk. Um, I think I would, it's a great question, <laughs> I haven't <laughs> been asked that. So let me just pause on that for a minute. You know, interesting, it would probably be because I think the most poignant and effective talks are always personal. So I think it would be building in some of the things that I've learned over the past few years, being a CEO, an entrepreneur, starting something on my own, being a woman who typically has, you know, in some ways, I'm very sure of myself and do things. And in other ways, I'm very unsure of myself and insecure and and people pleasing and, you know, all that jazz. And so I feel like there'd be a message around just like what we were just saying, you know, trusting yourself, you know, almost the journey of finding purpose from that angle. and, And really almost like it's almost like my first TED talk was on like, you know, getting to the point of finding what your purpose is i feel like my next ted talk would be like what do you do then (laughs) how do you how do you keep going when everything seems like it's too hard when nothing's working when you know everything you try falls on your face when you know how do you keep going to build something that's sustainable and lasting that that does something that you want it to do in the world
0: yeah i love it and being an entrepreneur and doing a lot of it on my own that i think that would be a great one it's beautiful yeah Uh, Last but not least, obviously, you're going to continue to do your work, continue to be in your passion, but when your work is complete, how will the world of teen mental health be different?
1: Oh, that is such, you ask really good questions. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. So when my work is complete, the world of teenage mental health will be different because because it will be more focused on building self-awareness. So I, I really think that the way we're really, we're missing the mark is that we're coming at it from the outside. We're coming at it from an other perspective. We're coming at it from how do we identify all these kids that have these problems so we can fix them. Right. And, and then we'll, you know, all these kids that are quote unquote normal are fine. And so my driving passion and the way I want to see youth mental health transform is that we move into a place where we recognize every single young person is going to struggle because all of us struggle yep. and that we start going into a, a self-exploration and a vulnerability of let's unpack what's really going on instead of trying to categorize people instead of trying to label people instead of trying to fix people that are broken we instead move into an empowerment model where we're talking about let's let's all learn together as adults as young people and and figure out how we can be the best people we want to be and and learn from our pain you know so that we're not saying we're not categorizing anything as good or bad, and we're not saying that someone who has been a victim is always gonna be a victim, and at the same time, we're not saying that someone who's a perpetrator has anything inherently wrong with them. We're saying, let's come together and understand ourselves and each other more.
0: I love it. I mean, it's such a, I think we can get there, and we're obviously, we're, people like yourself are doing the work to get there. Um, just gotta keep going. I'm looking forward to today when that work is done. Um, yes,
1: me too. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so, I really appreciate your time. I know you are crazy busy. You should about be out sailing and riding motorcycles. Um, <laughs> where's the one place that people can follow you, support you, learn about the programs for their school?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So openparachuteschools.com is the, the easiest place to find all the information about the program. People can contact us through the website and then any of my socials. So I'm on LinkedIn, Dr. Haley Watson, um, Instagram and Facebook. I've been really shocking at posting in the last about a year and a half. I was really good at it for a while. Yeah. I will get back into it, but that's, you know, my handle is Dr. Haley Watson, I think. So any of those places. Um, but to learn about the program and my work is really at openparachuteschools.com.
0: All right, guys, make sure to check out the show notes. We will put all of those links in there. I'm also going to include the podcast link that we talked about um, so you guys can listen to that and share it with fellow educators and students because I think there's just so many good takeaways from that facilitation. Uh, Haley, it's been awesome to connect. I look forward to continue to stay connected and learning more about you. I appreciate you coming on.
1: Amazing, thank you so much. It was great to chat with you. All
0: right, guys please leave us a five-star review, share it with a friend you think would benefit from the show. And as always, we appreciate you listening.